This episode has very graphic content. Viewer discretion is advised. This is a Vault Studios production. I'm Spencer Brudig. I'm Will Johnson. I'm Jessica Knoll. This show contains graphic material and is meant for mature audiences. This week on True Crime Chronicles. It's a hot San Diego day in August of 1978. The Rolling Stones Miss You and Donna Summers blare on the radio and highway billboards promoting the new musical Grease catch the eyes of passerby. Two young couples have driven down from Long Beach, California to spend the night on a remote beach renowned for swimming, surfing, and fishing. Torrey Pines Beach is in the north county of San Diego. This is David Godfredson. He's an investigative producer for CBS 8 in San Diego. And it's a state beach and a little more isolated than the tourist pack beaches uh, down in the main city of San Diego. It's kind of near Del Mar. It's uh, separated from roads by cliffs, railroad tracks. And so it's kind of a isolated place to hang out. In the day, there are a lot of people there, but at night, it's very isolated and dark. And the further north you go, the darker it gets and the more isolated it gets. And there's railroad tracks running along it. So, uh, you know, there's people that hang out on the railroad tracks, travel up and down the railroad tracks. I actually grew up in San Diego and I used to go up there uh, when I was a teenager, and it it's isolated. You know, if someone wants to mess with you, if you run into a stranger up there, it's a dark beach, and there's no lifeguards. There's nobody around to call for help. Barbara Nanteus is 15 years old and a cheerleader in high school. She is dating 17-year-old Jim Alt, a long-haired blonde surfer who's known as the life of the party. The two of them... Uh, decided to go down to San Diego and spend the night on the beach with another teenage couple. And all four of them were going to go down for a weekend trip. And they ended up at Torrey Pines Beach. And Jim and Barbara decided to go down to the beach and spend the night on the beach near Lifeguard Tower 7. The other couple stayed in the car uh, maybe a quarter mile away uh, more inland, away from the beach in a parking lot that's under on the other side of the train tracks. So they were a good distance apart, each couple uh, with the, you know, each guy with their girlfriends. And uh, Barbara and Jim, you know, zipped their sleeping bags together. And their plan was to spend the night on the beach and, you know, hang out, talk under the stars. They ended up having sex, and they fell asleep in each other's arms until, you know, an attack happened later. The next morning, Jim Alt wakes disoriented. His long hair is caked with his own blood. He's naked, his head throbs to the pulse of his heartbeat, and he has a major laceration and bruising on his head. Something, or someone, hit him hard during the night, and he doesn't see Barbara. He's stumbling around. He grabs one of the sleeping bags that, he, that they had slept on, and he stumbles underneath the train tracks, 
up to the parking lot into the into a restroom and he's just wrapped the sleeping bag around him and he ends up stumbling over to the vehicle where his this other couple had slept inside the vehicle and just says he can't find Barbara, find Barbara, go find Barbara. He, he doesn't know where he is. He's, his head is bashed in with a rock and uh, with a log. And, you know, to this day, he has a metal plate in his head. Jim tells the other couple to go find Barbara. They leave Jim at the car and walk down the path to the beach. After a few moments, they discover what looks like drag marks in the sand and follow it to discover something horrible. She had been dragged north, you know, maybe 100 feet from where they had camped. Her body was spread eagle uh, in the sand, facing up, and uh, her nipple had almost been cut off with some sort of sharp object. Uh, It wasn't completely separated, but it was very close. And she had been raped and strangled. And, uh, you know, she's a 15-year-old girl. And uh, it was just a horrific scene. And Jim uh, had no memory of the attack. Uh, His last memory, as I said, was just falling asleep in the sleeping bags with his girlfriend. Police are called onto the scene right next to lifeguard station number seven. As Jim Alt is taken to the hospital for head trauma, Jim spends several days in a coma and undergoes multiple surgeries to repair his fractured skull. And his head was so bashed in that they had to shave all his hair off. And uh, he, he was in a coma for a while. And uh, he just didn't remember the attack. And so that made it difficult for police. I don't think he was considered a suspect initially, but maybe that changed over the years. Uh, the police just have no suspects, and they, they refuse to rule out Jim as a suspect, even though he was you know, almost killed with a rock. And the idea that he may have been involved in this is, is pretty out there. Investigators cordon off the murder scene on the beach and begin looking for any evidence that may point them in the direction of a possible suspect. Lieutenant Yetta says there are still no suspects, and it's still uncertain how many assailants there may have been. The homicide team that's investigating that case is presently out in the field following up on the uh, lot of different information that we receive from the public. Um, there's a lot of things that we have to check out, a lot of things we still have to do. We were able to speak with uh, Mr. Alt uh, yesterday, and he did give us some information. They find drag marks in the sand where uh, she was apparently knocked unconscious as well and uh, dragged away. They find the sleeping bags. They find rocks with blood on them. They find a cigarette butt. And, um, you know, the the sleeping bag that that Jim uh, wrapped around himself is up in the restroom up above the beach. They find that. They find blood in, in that bathroom from that sleeping bag. So they collect all this evidence. But remember, this murder takes place in 1978, years before DNA will be able to be processed. Police investigate Jim Alt and the other couple first, 
but are unable to find anything that would lead them to believe they were involved in Barbara's murder. Years go by, and with no leads, the case goes cold. Almost six years to the day, another murder occurs. And police, at first, believe that the two may be connected, and perhaps the evidence collected at the site of the second murder could be the key in solving Barbara's case. Yeah, for decades they thought that there was another murder on the very same beach that could be related. Another teenage girl, she was 14, uh, found murdered in a similar fashion, uh, beaten, raped, and, and her breast mutilated. Uh, is, and those facts made them think it was the same person. Uh, her name was Claire Huff. She was found murdered in 1984. Um, her breast was completely amputated and never found at the scene. In fact, her, her, her breast was amputated and her purse was missing. So um, it, it's hard to say what, whether the killer used, you know, took her breast as a souvenir or uh, made off with it, but it was never found. But there are differences between the two. Barbara Nantes, uh, the 15-year-old, her, her nipple was severed around the circumference of the nipple. Um, Claire Huff's breast was completely amputated off from the base and never found. With no witnesses and not enough physical evidence, both cases go cold until decades later, when modern DNA testing and police cold case units begin to unravel some of the mysteries surrounding the two beach murders. In 2012, they did new DNA testing on the 14-year-old Claire Huff's uh, murder, and they got some hits on some of her clothing and some of her body swabs, and it came back to a known sex offender, a known rapist named Ronald Tatro, and also, interestingly, they also found some uh, DNA hits to a crime lab worker named Kevin Brown, who had worked in the San Diego police crime lab around the time of the murder of Claire Huff. The widespread belief now is that Kevin Brown, the crime lab worker, uh, his DNA was found on that evidence because of contamination in the crime lab, although that has not been um, you know, 100% confirmed. The police originally thought that Kevin Brown was a suspect, but after a civil lawsuit, um, a jury came back saying, you know, it looks like contamination. The widespread belief is that the sex offender is the guy who killed Claire Huff, and he acted alone. And that sex offender, uh, Ronald Tatro, was in prison six years earlier at the time of Barbara Nantes' murder. So um, the cops now think that the two cases are not related uh, because Ronald Tatro could not have killed Barbara Nantes six years earlier because he was in prison. With Claire Huff's case seemingly solved, the question remains, who killed Barbara Nantes? Her case is reopened and a series of DNA tests are performed on the evidence collected more than 30 years prior. Recently, we uncovered all the DNA tests they have done since the beginning on this, 
And one of the things that they were able to identify a full DNA profile on was, the, uh, was a cigarette butt at the scene, a male unknown profile, a DNA profile on the cigarette butt that was entered into the national database uh, CODIS. Um, now, there's cigarette butts all over the beach, and it, it's hard to say whether that's related or not. It could have been anybody's cigarette butt, but it could be a lead, and they have never identified that full DNA profile. A lot of the DNA that was recovered belongs to Jim Alt and the other couple who Barbara was hanging out with that night. Jim had sex with Barbara, so it's obviously his semen was found on her body. Um, his blood is all over the rocks, all over the sleeping bag, both sleeping bags, because he was attacked with those rocks. One of the, the friend that had spent the night up, up in the car, his DNA and his girlfriend's DNA were found on uh, one of the sleeping bags down at the beach. And uh, so there was thought, oh, well, maybe this guy's a, a suspect. Maybe he came from the car in the parking lot and went down and did this to his friend and, and to Barbara. But... Uh, the police, I think, believe that that couple had used that sleeping bag previously, and that's why their sleeping, that's why their DNA was on that sleeping bag. So it gets really, you know, all this DNA is all mixed up. Uh, you know, there there is no uh, unknown male semen DNA that they have found on Barbara Nantes's body. There's also a lot of hairs that they found at the scene, hairs all over the sleeping bags, you know. And previously, you needed a root from a hair to get DNA hits, but now they have new technology where you can do DNA testing on hairs that have no root attached to them. So that's another possible lead. The majority of the DNA is mixed and too low in level to put together a full profile. Over the years, over the decades, they've tested all of these items and they have come up with low level, unidentifiable DNA mixtures. Uh, so it, it's been, it, in the past it was difficult to identify that, but there is new technology uh, through a company called Cybergenetics in Pittsburgh uh, where they have a program where they don't even have to retest uh, the, the samples. They can look at the old results, mixture results, and they have a program kind of, uh, that, that can kind of separate out low-level mixtures of DNA. It's been used a lot in cold case murders. And um, we talked to an expert who thought that some of the results that she had seen could be run through this and uh, at least possible that the DNA could be identified. For Barbara's family and for Jim Alt, new tech-driven results can't come soon enough. Every year, Jim Alt uh, has been the advocate for keeping the, holding the, the police's feet to the fire on this. And every year, Jim Alt, uh, he's the boyfriend of Barbara Nantes, who was hit in the head. 
he comes down to San Diego police, sometimes with family members of, the, of Barbara Nantes, sometimes on his own. And uh, he meets with police and he demands updates and uh, he constantly is trying to get information out of the police. And, you know, one thing that's upsetting to him is that, you know, in previous meetings, uh, one of the lieutenants, I guess, said to him, well, we don't share information with people who could be potential suspects. And that just set him off, you know, like, how dare you call me a suspect in this, you know? So um, the police have kind of backed off on that statement since then. But, um, you know, uh, cold case detectives, police, they keep things very close to the vest and they don't want to release information on an open case, even, you know, when it happened in 1978, you know, so um, they're still plugging away. Um, this information really uh, from, the, from, from the DNA testing is a lot to take in and uh, the police are not commenting on that. The pol th these DNA tests we uncovered, they only uh, go from the beginning of the crime in 19 you know, 1970s, early 80s, the DNA testing, um, the, the evidence lists, they only go until 2013. So it's possible that more DNA testing has been done during, over the last, uh, you know, seven years. And we don't know about that. It's possible people have been ruled out. The police tell me that they are aware of this new uh, cyber genetics uh, program and uh, new technology is always called upon and, and, and they assure me that they're, they're not limited to their own in-house technology, that if they think something will lead to a break in the case, they will pursue outside uh, DNA technology to try and uh, get a hit. For David, he's still hopeful that Barbara's case will be solved one day. There's so much evidence and multiple uh, instances where the results of the DNA testing came back too low and a mixture of very low DNA amounts that could not be identified. Over and over again, you see that in the DNA testing results. And as technology gets better, uh, it's possible, you know, that uh, they'll be able to identify somebody uh, and, um, you know, this new uh, family uh, DNA, these DNA da databases uh, where they uh, can take low-level DNA hits and link them back to family members related to the killer, that's another avenue that they could uh, try and solve this case, you know. And I really hope, you know, for the family's sake that it does, because, and for Jim, Alt's sake that they do solve this case because it has really uh, had an emotional toll on Jim because, you know, even though he was 17 and Barbara was 15, he feels responsible for her death. He thinks he should have protected her, you know, even though they're two teenagers just sleeping on the beach which a lot of people have done, which I've done myself, you know, uh, here in San Diego as a teenager. You don't think someone's gonna come up and attack you with a rock and 
do all these terrible things. I'm Jessica Knoll, and I'm joined by Spencer Brudig. Spencer, that episode, you know, when you think of San Diego, you think beautiful weather year-round and these beautiful beaches, and then this horrific thing happens right there on the beach. I'm curious with everything that was reported. Is there any theories about who may have done this? I mean, we're talking a 30-plus-year-old cold case going on 40 years. What are some of the theories that they have about who did this? Yeah, well, David details the police have been keeping a lot of the information close to their chest just because it is an active investigation. And uh, apparently with this investigation, they do believe that it is going to be solved with new DNA technology. So they're not really saying a lot, but it's relatively rare for random attacks like this, especially attacking two people. It does look like that could be it, is that it was someone that uh, happened to see this couple and an opportunity to either rob them. We didn't really get into whether or not anything was taken from them. And then they, you know, this person came down off the cliff and saw an opportunity to either just kill or I don't know what what could have set that off, but that seems possibly the the most likely thing, even though that is very unlikely that that happened. I do know that the police looked at uh, Jim Alt, her boyfriend, very seriously. Could he have hurt himself in an attempt to cover up? They threw that out immediately. Uh, They looked at the other couple, but you know, these were teenage kids. I think that they were, all of them were under the age of 18. They were all friends. It would be odd that the other couple would attack them. I mean, it just, nothing really makes sense. So then was a rock or a log found there at the beach? It sounds like those were kind of um, weapons of opportunity. Definitely, yeah. There were three rocks that were found with blood on them, so I don't know if they were thrown or or if, you know, one rock was used and then when it was, you know, that there was some blood splatter. Um, and then, yes, there were logs. I believe they had a fire and the log was picked up out of the fire. So you're right, yeah, it definitely was weapons of opportunity. They weren't attacked with, you know, a knife or a gun they were attacked with the things that this person found. Uh, the only thing that I would add is that Barbara's you know, nipple was found almost completely severed. And so I don't know what would have used to do that. And that initially was actually one of the big pieces of evidence that police originally thought that the second murder six years later of Claire Huff was connected was because her breast was amputated. And they thought, oh, okay, well, you have two women around the same age that were killed relatively close to each other, almost six years to the day. And they had this mutilation factor. But then, obviously, you know, uh, Claire Huff's killer was found out, and he was in prison at the time of Barbara's. So he could not have committed that crime. What do we know about Jim these days? Where is he at and what's he doing? And how do do we know how this has affected both medically and mentally, uh, his life. Yeah, in some of the footage that I was reviewing for this episode, uh, Jim's been interviewed many times. He is a huge advocate for justice for Barbara. He comes every year. I'm not sure where he comes from, but he comes every year back. He gathers friends and family of Barbara, and he actually goes down to the police station, and he asks for updates, and he's trying to put uh, apply pressure all the time to San Diego police to continue this investigation and solve it. Uh, from the footage that I saw, he still has long blonde hair, so he still kind of has the same vibe that he did from 30 years ago, 30 plus years ago. And uh, I do know that it has haunted him. 
that he feels responsible for Barbara's death. He was old, you know, the older boyfriend and he was attacked and taken out of the equation. And then his younger girlfriend was killed uh, while he was, you know, unconscious. So he also has a metal plate in his head. And I know that he is deeply disturbed by the fact that there have been several police officers, several investigators that have said things like, we won't discuss details with someone that could be a suspect. So, Spencer, this is such a cold case. We're going back decades. So anyone who may have seen something or heard something or knows something could now be scattered across the country. Where can people who are listening to this episode, if they know anything, big or small, and have a tip, where can they call? Yeah, this case is going to be solved either through you know new DNA technology or from someone that has some sort of memory from this time. And uh, if you happen to know anything, you can call the San Diego Crime Stopper tip line at 888-580-8477 or check out sandiegocrimestoppers.org. And if you want to talk about this case or other cases or cases you think we should be looking into, we are on social media, True Crime Chronicles. We are on Twitter, on Facebook, Instagram, and you can find us under Vault Studios or True Crime Chronicles. Also on Facebook, we have a group called Inside the Crime Vault, and that's a discussion of about 5,000 members, and we talk about cases across the country. So join us there if you want to talk after you've listened to this episode. And if you like True Crime Chronicles, please give us a like and a subscribe and tell your friends. And we'll be back next week with a new case and a new story.